women for so long have thought that they had multiple hundred percents to give. They could give 100% to their family. They could give 100% to their career. They could give 100% to themselves. But in truth, in reality, we only have 100%. And as a mother, as a person, as a businesswoman or professional, I really have to think of how I want to split that 100% up. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Today, our guests are Cameron Diaz and Catherine Power, the co-founders of Aveline Wine. You know Cameron from her roles in hit movies, from The Mask to Charlie's Angels to The Holiday, my personal favorite. And during her acting career, she was nominated for four Golden Globes. And you know Catherine as a consumer brand builder. She originally launched Who What Wear, and now she's also the founder behind cult beauty brands Merit Beauty and Verst. The two have been friends for years, and they decided to go into business together after realizing the wines they loved had a lot of additives and hidden ingredients. The first bottles of Aveline came out in 2020, and three years later, you can find Aveline in all 50 states and in major retailers like Target. Cameron and Catherine, welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you guys for being here. So before we get into the conversation, we'd like to do a little warm up with a lightning round. So quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Sure. Okay. Cameron, first job you got paid for? Um, TCBY yogurt. TCBY. I haven't heard that in so long. I was going to say. That was the first job outside of like filing for my mom at her office, you know, that I got paid for, but not like legal. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was your favorite flavor? Chocolate, baby. Also the <laughs> strawberry, but chocolate was my favorite. I also worked, probably not legally, in a Italian ice place. Um, Catherine, what was the first job you got paid for? Working at my grandmother's retail store. I was the number one salesperson. Of course you were. <laughs> what did you sell? <laughs> <It's> like 12. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> Just kidding. Catherine, we'll start with you. Do you have any secret hobbies or skills? I don't think it's secret, but I love antiques. So I love going antiquing and discovering old treasures, whether that's online or in, in real life. Cameron, slight take on this because it's harder for you. What can't what can't we Google about you? Any secret hobbies, skills? I'm very much into my like I have animals. Like I have my birds okay. and have my cat. I have my dogs. Like they take up a lot of time. Like how many birds? I have right now. I have four birds right now. I had more, but there were a couple incidents because they're outdoor. They're aviary birds. I mean, um, so you know, every once in a while, there's an incident where, <laughs> where <laughs> they go. They get the best day of their life. <laughs> where they they. <laughs> The best and last. <laughs> the best yeah. and last, yeah. But, you know, they're they're born into captivity and I just help them, you know, have a best life that they can have. I've rescued all of them pretty much. 
What is your favorite food to pair with Aveline? Food? It's not even about the food. It's kind of the everyday taking a, a moment to wind down from the day, like whether you're doing your laundry or having dinner, Aveline pairs well with just life in general. Life, yeah. It's a lifestyle kind of, you know, it's not really about the food per se, but we do like to eat. Mm-hmm. It is something we enjoy doing. So We have enjoyed a, a lot of Caccio e Pepe over mm-hmm. the development of our wines. That's for, for sure. sure. We used to meet for lunch at this little wine bar that served Caccio Pepe. And we would get, we'd be like, can you make it? Let's go. And we'd just go sit at the wine bar, have a bowl of Caccio Pepe and a salad and a glass of wine for a quick mom lunch and then pop back to the house. So you mentioned the mom part, a big discussion in my house. I'm curious, you guys weighing in. Family Halloween costumes, yes or no? I'm down. My husband tends to do it. I don't do it. I've done it a couple of times, but I'm not maybe as committed as I am to finding my kids their costumes. Where do you stand, Danielle? I am all in. Unfortunately, my three-year-old, depending on which parent he likes that day, is very particular about who is allowed to be in on his costume. So it centers on his costume and then everybody else has to be a part of. Yes. What is he? So he's going to be a train, but not Thomas. Specific. Yes, exactly. And I get to be a train like him. And my husband gets to be a scary monster. Amazing. Sounds like they all go together. Exactly. Right. What is something that you guys have learned about each other in becoming founders together? We don't accept no as an answer. That's one thing that we share in common. We're always very creative in our pursuit for a solution. Cameron, what's the worst piece of career advice you've gotten? Um, Career advice? I modeled before I acted. Originally, it was like back in the late 80s. So everybody went by like one name, you know? So we're like, do you want to just drop your last name? I said, no, I don't want to drop my last name. That's, That's who I am. So I kept it. Instead of just being Cameron, I I kept Cameron Diaz. And here I am today. Still Cameron Diaz. Catherine, what about you? You know, I think when we started this company, Aveline, which is so different from the other businesses that we've collectively, you know, worked in, we were told that we couldn't do things the way that we wanted to do them, or that's not how it worked, or you know, it would be impossible to scale to a certain size within a certain amount of time. And that ended up being really untrue. And and as I mentioned before, we love to find creative solutions around things. So, you know, we sort of took in everything we could learn and then approached the business in a bit of a different way. And it served us very well. So let's talk about your careers before Avalon. I'm so excited to talk to you the story of how you guys saw this and came together and created it. But I want to give our listeners some context and dig into your individual careers up to this point. So, Catherine, I have known you through you being a serial entrepreneur. You have built multiple businesses at the same time. I struggle with building one business. How do you do that? 
it truly comes down to the teams that I have at each company and the fact that all the businesses are in different life stages. Building my first business, which was all based around the brand Who, What, Where, which is how we know each other. You know, that was really my my business school. That's where I learned how to build a business, how to manage a business through different market cycles and changes in in the economy and also the industry that we were in. So then when you go to launch this second, third, and fourth businesses, it becomes much easier with all of that knowledge and a reputation in the industry to be able to attract great talent. So I think truly the thing I've done best is put together really great teams. I think I've gotten good at hiring executives and understanding, you know, people's superpowers and putting them in a position to succeed. And that's the only reason I can do so many things is because of the great leaders that that we have at each individual business. Is there a question that you use no matter what position you're hiring for that kind of gives you that insight into whether someone is is going to be able to work well in the way that you run your orgs? I mean, I think the thing that I always ask people, which just instantly gives me an idea of of their strengths and who they are, I ask them, you know, if I were to go talk to three or four of your former colleagues or bosses, what would they say about you? What are the three things they would point out? You know, what are your three sort of core strengths or, or superpowers? When they answer that question, I typically have a good sense of who they are, even if I've just spent an hour on the phone with them and I do that at the end, that really helps to summarize how they might fit into the organization based on our needs. And then I also ask them, you know, what kind of a company are they most successful in? You know, kind of a culture, what kind of a team environment and what do they look for in in kind of the next move in their career? I'm curious on a on a very practical note, do you start like a week or a quarter thinking about how you're going to split up your time and compartmentalize it? Or is it that your days are kind of like a mesh of a lot of different things? I don't. Yeah. It's it's really an ability I have to kind of switch back and forth pretty quickly. I can be on the phone with a banker talking about a financial model. And then 20 minutes later, I'm selecting a shade of red lipstick. Catherine's like, <laughs> she's an executive, but she's such a creative as well her business of of aesthetics really and lifestyle goes hand in hand with the thing that she loves which is creativity and beauty but she's she can do both things which i think is really why she's so successful too well i find business to be creative mm-hmm. like i think you have to be creative to get from point a to point b with x amount of resources right but yeah to answer your question i have you know different to-do lists based on each company so I'm I'm constantly switching back and forth and and wearing the different hats. Okay, Cameron, your turn. I want to talk to you about this next stage of your career. I think everyone listening probably knows that a few years ago you decided to leave acting. Um, there was a brief return, but it seems like you know largely you've you've put that chapter behind you. What is it like to decide to make a purposeful transition away from something that you've had so much success in? I think that, you know, people's instincts are if you're in a top position or if you're, you know, at at sort of the pinnacle of your career and you've had success for a long time, that you're meant to kind of keep going and stay in the game and continue to try to stay on top 
kind of this idea of being on top. That was never my drive as an actor. I was never trying to sort of be in any kind of pole position. You know, I just really loved making movies. And for a long time, the lifestyle of making movies, which is super challenging, was something that I could do pretty effortlessly because I wasn't married. I didn't have a family and I could do that really fluidly. I could go to one movie and go into the next chunk of time that would I would have to sort of leave everything behind and go into this consuming process of making movies. And I feel like, you know, that really suited me for a long time because I was just in it. But when I decided to step away, really had nothing to do with where I was at, what I had achieved, whether or not I had another movie in me or not. You know, it was really about making a choice about my life and engaging in it in another way. And that was what was most important to me. You know, I got married. I wanted to have a family. And I knew what it took to make movies. And I knew that I couldn't build what I wanted to build in my life and make movies at the same time. So it was really an easy thing for me to do. I was ready to do something completely different for myself and build out another aspect of the life experience that I just hadn't done yet and couldn't do while making movies because it's just impossible to do it at the level that I, you know, I'm committed to doing it as a mother and as a, as a wife and as a partner. And it just, that was where I was at. I, I couldn't do both at the same time. I think that's a really honest way to look at it because I feel like, you know, and obviously a very, very different <laughs> set of of career problems. But I talk to so many people who get very, very stressed about how am I going to do this thing at this level and have kids and and have the ability to kind of have this family life. You know, you know, this is the thing I'm I can say all that because I'm very lucky that I could step away from my career. Like not everybody can do that. Some people just have to stay in the grind and do both of them at the same time. I say this knowing that is a fully privileged point of you know position to be in. So I don't I don't take it lightly. I feel like it's almost like at my age like my peers are working hard to start to retire because they already did their family and they did their career and they're coming upon that time where they're like in 10 years or whatever I'm going to be retired. I kind of take it I took it as like I worked so hard and I had saved up the ability the same way you retire, I had saved up my the ability to kind of like retire into this lifestyle. But also I just knew, I remember when I was in my early 20s and I had a friend who was an ex- executive and she had a family and she was amazing. She still is. She's a baller. She's just like high level. And she said to me, you know, women for so long have thought that they had multiple hundred percents to give. They could give a hundred percent to their family. They could be give a hundred percent to their career. They could give a hundred percent to themselves and by just doing. But in truth, in reality, we only have 100%. And as a mother, as a person, um, as a businesswoman or professional, I really have to think of how I want to split that hundred percent up and how much I give to each of those things. And I remember her saying that she goes, because we only have 100%. So where are you going to put it? How are you going to balance it out? And I've all, I always thought of that over the decades before I became a mother. And I thought to myself, 
I only have a hundred percent. And right now I'm giving my, I'm doing this a hundred percent. And one day I'll give some, another aspect of my life a hundred percent. And that's where I'm at. You've mentioned in interviews that you feel a lot more self-sufficient now that you're not acting. Along with that, does that mean like you're better at asking for help or knowing, recognizing support? As an actor, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have a lot of support. I'm very fortunate. I can, you know, I have a great teams that of, of, for different aspects of my life. Like Catherine said, I think that's really what it comes down to, right, Catherine, is that it's about the people that you have, you know, whether it's in business or in the home, you know, you need the right people in the right positions to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. And I love teamwork. I think that's why Catherine and I work so well together with Aveline is that we both have our strengths and weaknesses. And we also share a lot in common in that way. So we're able to like really go into Aveline with the same vision. And then we break it apart to do different things to make that vision come alive. But as far as like self-sufficiency, I think doing things for yourself is how you become self-sufficient. And when you're an actor, the world is infantilizing, inherently infantilizing the film industry. They want the actors to not do anything so that they only do one thing. So, you know, I kind of broke out of that to be able to kind of be more self-sufficient and do what I need to do for my day-to-day life on my own instead of having, you know, it taken care of for me. I truly cannot imagine you another way. You're like the most self-sufficient, capable person. Like we're traveling through an airport and she's carrying my bags. Like, so we go faster. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine a time where you weren't doing everything, you know, and just like handling it for people. It's funny to think of. I, I Well, this is the thing. I was trying to handle it for everybody. Everybody kept saying, no, 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 no. And I'd have to fight my way to just like do something for myself. And I just, you know, I don't want to do that. I just want to live. I just want to live, baby. (laughs) Yeah. How did you guys first meet? We met through Nicole Ritchie, who's one of my, you know, best friends for the last 20 plus years. And she's Cameron's sister-in-law. How did the friendship go into not only we have this idea, but then we're actually going to do it and do it together? We found each other all the time, like whenever we started in sort of gatherings at Nicole and Joel's house, we'd always just sort of like be sitting together, hanging together, drinking wine, chatting. And then we started making plans. We're like, let's go, you know, antiquing. Let's go, let's go do something on the weekend or grab a bite. And then we had this moment. And Catherine, you tell you tell this story better than I do. We're both kind of homebodies you know, in a, in a group of really social, outgoing people. I think we enjoy like making our homes really cozy and comfortable and spending time there, whether it's entertaining or just being with our little families. So we really had that in common, I think. And then, you know, I think Cameron had a curiosity to really build something outside of the career that she had known. And It was also super interesting to me because although I've built businesses, this is a totally different set of rules and building blocks. And it really just started out of wanting to understand more about what we were drinking when we had a bottle of wine. And then that curiosity turned to sort of a little bit of shock that there was no transparency in the industry and over 73 additives could be used in the winemaking process without any disclosure. And then we just felt compelled to 
share that with people and to offer a solution. And we were, you know, just both driven by this mission, I think. And, you know, you just take little steps every day and we've ended up here. How did you come up with the name? That was hard. You know, I'm sure you know, it's incredibly hard to trademark something, to also find the web domain, to also find the social handle. And there are just tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of wine labels in the world. And so we ended up on a baby naming website to try to fuel our ideas. And we were on Cameron's patio one day and we were like, looking through the baby naming website and we came across this name Aveline, which meant sensitive, humble, and lively. And we thought, you know, what a perfect name that was to embody what we were trying to create. We wanted to be sensitive to the body and humble in the fact that we were new to this industry and we're going to approach it totally different. And then, of course, we want the brand to be lively as, you know, drinking wine often centers around community and kind of getting together with your friends. And so it was just a perfect fit. We liked the way it looked, you know, the way it was spelled, the fun we could have with. So the aesthetic of, you know, building a name around this, you're using it as, a you know, the brand name. Cameron, talk to me about what you feel like you each bring now that you are founders, you guys are doing this together, like on a day-to-day basis, is there an area that you're tackling? Is there an area that Catherine's tackling? How do you guys make decisions? So we have a great team that runs it on the day-to-day and Catherine and I are here for them for anything that they need. And we are, we check in to make sure that everything's staying on track. And we are very involved in whenever there's a new blend we do all of the tasting so that we know that we're getting exactly what we want. We'll ask our community what they want, and then we'll f- sort of find that wine um, and source it from different regions to make sure that we have the perfect blend. But on top of that, you know, obviously, Catherine, her strength is the business. She understands whether it's this business, which we both have learned so much together about all of the licensing all of the restrictions that are inherent in the alcohol business, we've had to learn that together. But Catherine, as a businesswoman, as understanding the structure of business and getting us to the next level and the next level, that's her strength. My strength, I think, is that I have a lot of the more personal relationships. I deal a lot with distributors, with retailers. I kind of have the interfacing with that end of the business more and then promotion, we both do, obviously. But anything that's any decision on sort of the brand itself, the two of us are com- immersed in the, those decisions as well. As well as the overall business strategy, you know, we we kind of make all those decisions. Yeah. As a industry, I, I would assume that alcohol spirits industry is not necessarily known for being so like women dominated, right? It's obviously getting better. You guys have come from industries with different challenges. How have you guys thought about that as a team? You know, when you're thinking about distributors, when you're thinking about partnerships and being new in the space, have you guys brought that lens into the brand that you're creating? I think we've definitely 
brought a modern approach to, you know, brand creation, to marketing, to even the way that the product is positioned. And a lot of that comes with bringing in, you know, modern talent. So I think it's more of a blend of sort of the old world and new coming together to create this omni-channel business. Avelina is about 30% direct to consumer and the rest is, you know, through wholesale. So we do have a large distribution and sales team that sort of comes from, you know, the legacy wine world. And I think the the people that are attracted to working on a brand like Aveline, as you can imagine, many of them share our values around wine. And I think like it's led to, you know, certainly a room filled with, with, a lot of female voices as well as men when it came to partnering up with the right distributor cuz you align yourself with generally one of the big ones right away it was really more about you know does this group of people share in our mission and do they get what we're trying to do and do they live like this and think like this you know it's it's really this sort of psychographic you know that we're going after more than a demographic So some basic product slash wine questions. Will I be less hungover if I drink Aveline? So we legally can't say that, but you should try it. But I could try it and I could say. (laughs) I would say if you're you're doing like a trial, you know, and you're like, I want to see if I'm going to be hungover, like. Try Aveline. Just see, see what the (laughs) testing, you know, shows you. See how it goes. (laughs) Um, no, the other thing I do, I do have a question is about the process and why you guys felt this was needed in the first place, which is you talked about, you know, the things that you don't, I think it was like 74 things that you don't realize are in wine. What do those things do? Why aren't they on a label? Would I even recognize them? What is it that you saw was the need as a consumer? Yeah. To create I mean, first this. of all, we were spending so much money in our lives buying organic groceries and non-toxic cleaning products and beauty products and all of that. And then when we turned our wine around, we were reminded that wine is one of the only consumables where you have no ingredient information or nutrition facts listed. When we learned what is you know, commonly added to wine during the winemaking process of, of most commercial wines or many commercial wines, including colors, you know, concentrates, sugars, we were pretty shocked by it. And the wine industry, you know, the products are governed by the TTB, not the FDA. So it's a different set of rules as to what you have to disclose on the bottle. And so we wanted to create a brand that was highly transparent and shared exactly what was going into the bottle, which in our case is very, very few things. But these additives can do everything from, you know, change kind of the taste of the wine, making it more sweet, uh, changing the color of it to making it more bold. They can be, you know, fining agents or, you know, something that aids in filtering the wine. They could be, you know, sort of stabilizers or for mouthfeel, just like to create a different, you know, different experiences on the palate, different forms of preservatives. So, you know, there there are a lot of different things that can legally be added into wine. And 
we didn't like the idea of it because we researched what those things were and we wanted to create a wine that was, you know, free of all of these extras. It's a style of wine that we are sort of championing that as well, the, the way that you're, you know, wine is made sort of an old world wine. We found also, that's why we went to Europe. There were more organic farms in Europe and made wine and more commonly in this way without all of these additives. So that's why we went to Europe is to find these winemakers who are generational. They've been farming this way and making wine this way for generations and generations. And what that's resulted in is allowing us to bring our core wines, you know, zero sugar per glass, really low carbohydrates, low sulfites. We really wanted to to produce something that people could feel good about, you know, drinking. Well, my sinuses, thank you. (laughs) Two final questions. The first one uh, for each of you. Cameron, what do you want to get out of this next chapter and Aveline? I just hope that Catherine and I, with Aveline, with our team, with our consumers, have created a brand that is long-standing and that can be looked at as helping to, you know, redefine the standards of wine making, so that when you open a bottle of wine, you know what's inside of it. No matter that, that you could just find that information very easily and the transparency in the industry becomes commonplace and that we can look at Aveline as sort of the brand that forged the way for all of the other winemakers who are going to infiltrate the market and stand beside us as well. Catherine, how about you? Yeah, I think our mission has always been to champion this type of winemaking and really we invite others and big wine companies to to be more transparent and and again like i hope this becomes like the movement in clean you know beauty we hope to make this kind of wine more prevalent in the united states last question who is someone else we should have on the show you've had whitney wolf on i'm sure right yes we love whitney yeah I think you guys have had like everyone I know. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, as you guys hear of of anyone, we love having this be kind of like a a circular guest rotation of women supporting and recommending each other. And congratulations, guys. Thank you. I'm excited to continue drinking it and enjoying it. And thank you guys for being on the show. We appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle. It's a really good account, I promise. <laughs>